Episode 31, You Can't Handle the Truth. Hello, my friends, and welcome to Episode 31 of The John Becker Show. I hope you're staying safe and healthy during the pandemic. Right now, COVID numbers are up, but the percent of people who are dying from the disease is down, so that's a good thing. And I want to remind you that wearing a mask is never a bad thing, but not wearing a mask isn't a bad thing either. Now, if you think I'm crazy, then tune into the last episode of the podcast, and hopefully you'll get a fresh perspective on the fact that we all have different opinions on this issue, and it's okay to disagree. We don't need to be mask-shaming one another. We can still be friends, even when we don't agree, and that's part of what makes us a great country. Our quote of the week is from Albert Einstein, and just like the man himself, this is a pretty deep quote, so I'm going to repeat it twice. Einstein said that great spirits have always encountered violent opposition from mediocre minds. The mediocre mind is incapable of understanding the man who refuses to bow blindly to conventional prejudices and chooses instead to express his own opinions courageously and honestly. Let me say that again. Great spirits have always encountered violent opposition from mediocre minds. The mediocre mind is incapable of understanding the man who refuses to bow blindly to conventional prejudices and chooses instead to express his opinions courageously and honestly. Now, folks, I have to confess that I'm a person who cares too much about what other people think about me. I'm an emotional guy. Sometimes I get overwhelmed with self-doubt when other people criticize me or my opinions. In fact, it's, it's a real problem for me, and that's why I love this quote. It puts in perspective what I have often felt, but I've never been able to articulate, and that is that those people who violently oppose the opinions of others and are incapable of understanding why they don't just bow to the masses and accept what the vocal minority says is truth have what Einstein calls mediocre minds. Now, for me, I would call someone with a mediocre mind, a closed-minded person, maybe even simple-minded, because they're not able to see any other viewpoint than their own. In many other cases, they're not even willing to consider an opinion that doesn't align with their own, and they will shout down people who try to express opposing opinions. Now, one of the great things about the Constitution is in the First Amendment, where it gives us as Americans the right to free speech. But I see people all the time who try to prevent others from speaking when their opinions don't agree. I believe that people who try to prevent others from expressing a different opinion have mediocre minds. So, that brings me to the following question, something I have been struggling with for a long time. Why do I care what people with mediocre minds think? I've thought about that a lot. And I don't want to get too deep into the weeds, but it probably has something to do with a lack of confidence on my part and my own low self-esteem that I've struggled with since I was a kid. I've always been a sensitive guy, probably way too sensitive for my own good. So when someone disagrees with me or criticizes me, I'll get defensive. But I am working on it. I am not ashamed to admit that I see a counselor for uh, professional counseling on a weekly basis And I'm working through a lot of those issues that I've struggled with for most of my life. And I'm getting better. And I'm glad for that. I'm really grateful for my counselor and the perspective that she has been able to uh, help me to see about myself. 
So the bottom line is that we all have a diversity of opinions on a diversity of subjects. And I'm going to listen to your perspective without judgment or condemnation, even if I vehemently disagree with your position. All I ask is that you try to do the same. And if you are incapable of listening to a divergent opinion without getting nasty or abusive, or without unfriending me on Facebook because your opinion doesn't align with mine, well then maybe, just maybe, you're one of those people that Einstein was talking about. Maybe you have a mediocre mind. In a classic scene from the movie A Few Good Men, Jack Nicholson's character, Colonel Nathan Jessup, shouts the now-famous line, You can't handle the truth, to Lieutenant Daniel Caffey, played by Tom Cruise. Now, when it comes to the global pandemic, I've come to the inescapable conclusion that the experts in our country, whether those experts are scientists or politicians or reporters, have come to think of themselves as Colonel Jessup, and they view us, the American public, as Lieutenant Caffey. They apparently believe that we cannot handle the truth, so they spoon-feed us information, spun to reflect their own opinions or agenda, and then they try to make us believe that it's a truth that we can handle. Now, what am I talking about? I'm going to share a few examples of some information that I have uh, been researching over the past week or so that indicates to me that we just are not necessarily being given the truth. Maybe it's because people don't think we can handle it. Case in point. I was watching a recent press conference by the governor of Illinois, Governor Pritzker, and that press conference was about the spread of COVID-19 in Illinois. And the head of the Illinois Department of Public Health, named Dr. Ngazi Ezeke, was reporting on the number of COVID deaths in the state. And she made the following statement, and this is a quote. She said, If you were in hospice and had already been given a few weeks to live, and then you were also found to have COVID, that would be counted as a COVID death. It means technically, even if you died of a clear alternate cause, but you had COVID at the same time, it's still listed as a COVID death. So everyone who's listed as a COVID death doesn't mean that that was the cause of the death, but they had COVID at the time of death. Now, let me be clear about what that means. The most senior health official in one of the most populous states in the country admitted publicly in a press conference with the governor present, that people in Illinois who test positive for COVID post-mortem, after they die, are counted as a COVID death, even if they died of, in her words, a clear alternate cause. So in other words, if someone dies in a car accident, and then post-mortem they're tested and found to have COVID, that would be counted as a COVID death. Or if someone was shot and killed, Chicago unfortunately has one of the highest murder rates in the country, if not the highest, people are dying every day by gunshot wounds in Chicago. And if somebody is shot and killed, and then after they're dead, they are tested for COVID and they're found to have it, that's a COVID death. So what does that mean? That means that the number of people being counted as dying of COVID has been dramatically inflated. The pandemic death rate data which is information that public policy decisions are being based upon, is being artificially inflated. That just blows my mind. And it 
I'm delighted that she was so forthcoming and honest about it so that we could know that. Of course, I don't know how many people are watching press conferences um, on a regular basis about this kind of thing, but it's out there and it can be found on YouTube or if you Google it, you can find the link to that press conference where she makes that statement that I just quoted from. It's just absolutely unbelievable that death rate numbers for this pandemic are being inflated even if the person didn't actually die from the virus. Here's another example of erroneous reporting. Now I'm going to try and get this name right. Um, the reporter is named Amanda Prestia Giacomo from the Daily Wire, and she reported in a July 15, 2020 article that COVID testing labs in Florida are inflating the percent of positive tests by not reporting negative tests. So if 100 people are tested and 10 people tested positive for COVID, they would report that 10 people tested positive for COVID and they would ignore the 90 that did not. And so they would say that 10 out of 10 people tested positive for COVID. Reading from the article, this is directly from Presta Giacomo's article in the Daily Wire. It says, the Florida State Health Department confirmed that some testing laboratories in the state have not been disclosing their negative novel coronavirus testing results accurately, skewing the positivity rates dramatically. Moreover, two labs were discovered to have inflated their positivity rates of the virus by a factor of 10. Countless labs have reported a 100% positivity rate, which means every single person tested was positive. Other labs had very high positivity rates, and this was reported by Fox 35 TV in Orlando, who also noted that one local laboratory reported all 83 people tested were found to have the virus, and another reported that 88% of their tests were positive. The news station investigated the suspected astronomical findings and found the data was skewed by the lack of reported negative tests. For example, still reading from the article here, Orlando Veterans Medical Center's reported positivity rate of 76% was actually around 6%, a spokesman for the center revealed. And the report added that Orlando Health's positivity rating is only 9.4%, not 98%, as in the report. The Florida Department of Health confirmed Tuesday that although private and public laboratories are required to report positive and negative results to the state immediately, some have not. Specifically, they said that some smaller private labs were not reporting negative test result data to the state. And a spokesperson for the Florida Department of Health said the agency is working with the labs on proper protocol to ensure reporting on all testing results. Now, just in case you think I'm only sharing information that inflates the numbers of coronavirus uh, patients, a June 17th article in the Seattle Times reports that Washington State had been overcounting the number of negative test results. So they were saying that more people tested negative than actually did. Department of Health spokesperson Lisa Warren said the error resulted from a missing line of code in the testing program. She was not immediately able to explain how the department discovered the problem or whether it means the virus is spread in Washington may be worse than previously thought. Warren said, we understand that we made a mistake and we own it. Washington's Governor Jay Inslee said in a press release that the inflated number of negative test results did not impact decision-making as it pertained to the reopening of the state. Although, 
I can't imagine how uh, it wouldn't have impacted the uh, decision-making when it was showing that there were more negative tests than there actually were. That's my own opinion. But what's my point in sharing these three stories? Well, it seems clear to me that there is a lot of erroneous information about the pandemic out there, and some of it may be accidental. For example, the cases in Washington that were misreported because of an error in a line of computer coding. That sounds like it could very easily have happened, and once it was caught and they publicly reported it, it's been fixed. But there is also willful and intentional misrepresentation of the data, as in the examples in Florida and Illinois. So that begs the question, how do we know what to believe? And this might feel like a cop-out. I really hope that it's not. But I think that the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. I don't want to sound wishy-washy, but the reality is that when you've got two extreme divergent viewpoints, the truth is usually somewhere in the middle. This pandemic is not binary. Your state isn't necessarily doing a great job or doing poorly. So it doesn't necessarily make sense for governors to make a one-size-fits-all band-aid for the entire state. And this is one of the struggles I shared in my podcast last week, is some of the decisions that some governors have been making that just apply automatically to the whole state. So for example, here in Indiana, I live in a small county named Jasper. Jasper County has had less than 150 cases of the virus and we've only reported two deaths. So that's a fatality rate of about 1.4%. That's pretty good. Meanwhile, less than 120 miles away in Marion County, which is the county that Indianapolis is located in, there have been more than 12,000 cases of the virus and 701 deaths. That's a fatality rate of 5.7%, which is more than four times higher percentage-wise, than Jasper County. Now, our governor, Eric Holcomb, has been doing a pretty good job, in my opinion, about trying to watch what's happening in different counties and addressing the needs of the of the of um, each individual county on a case-by-case basis. So Indiana has a, a rollout plan uh, in phases where each county, after they meet certain thresholds, they can move from phase one to phase two to phase three to phase four to phase five and so forth. And certain counties are not allowed to move into the next phase if their numbers are not in line. I've been appreciative of that. Initially, I was frustrated with our governor, to be perfectly honest, because it felt like he was early on in the pandemic back in March. It felt like he was making decisions based on what the states around us did. Um, it, It felt like he would wait until Michigan or Ohio or Kentucky or Illinois made a decision before he would make a decision. But as we've gotten things rolling out here over the last few months, I think our governor has been doing a pretty good job, and I've been pleased with that. I also recognize that here in Jasper County, I'm living in kind of a bubble. Our fatality rate is very low. The number of cases is very low. There's not a lot of coronavirus in this county. We actually have a nursing home just about a mile from my home with a whole lot of elderly people. And I don't know if there have been any cases in that nursing home, but I don't believe that either of the two deaths in our county were in that nursing home. And of course, we know that um, New York saw massive uh, fatalities in nursing homes early in the pandemic. So again, I want to make sure that uh, I give uh, a shout out to our governor because I feel like he's been doing a pretty good job 
On the other hand, the governor of California, I've been kind of frustrated at uh, some of his decisions. I think his name is Gavin Newsom. And uh, he just recently made a, uh, issued a statewide ban on singing or chanting in church services. In L.A. County, the death rate of positive cases of coronavirus is about 2.8%. And in San Diego County, it's around 2.1%. Now those figures are as of July 16th. But California is a huge state, so much bigger than Indiana, so many more people than Indiana. And in some of the counties in Northern California, the death rate is below 1%. And in many counties, there have been no COVID-related deaths at all. But the governor of California is treating the entire state the same way. Again, he's making a binary decision. Instead of considering what's going on uh, in each region or on a county-to-county basis, or better yet, instead of letting the local officials make the decisions um, in their own county, he's just saying, nope, nobody is allowed to sing in church. Now, I have read some data that indicates that singing does help project bacteria and viruses because you're, you know, you're using your lungs more forcefully and stuff. And, and it makes sense to me. Uh, I can understand why um, singing could cause uh, the virus to spread. I can definitely understand that. In fact, I did see early on in the uh, pandemic, there was a, a church, I think, in California that one member of a, a church choir had the virus and uh, they, the entire church choir ended up getting sick with the coronavirus. So I do understand that singing in a church could uh, help the virus to spread. But I think it's ridiculous that a statewide ban is being issued because the numbers are so high in San Diego County and Los Angeles County when they're very, very low in other parts of the state. To me, it feels like a, um, a politician making a decision um, without considering the people beneath him. And when I say beneath him, I mean the, the officials that are not the top official of the state. So your local, um, your, your county boards and your mayors of towns and things like that. I think it's kind of a blind spot for him to think that he is the uh, authority, the dictator of that state. And that's a strong word. I know that. I probably will offend some people when I use that word. But when you make a blanket uh, edict like that, that applies to everyone, even when other people's cases are different, it just doesn't seem right. Now, here's the, here's the whole point. I, I got off on a bit of a tangent here, but here's my point. These governors uh, are making decisions based on the data that they've been given. But what's the truth about the data that they've been given? How can our state and local officials know what decisions to make when the data that they're being given is often flawed or falsified? And, uh, you know, I'm not sure what the answer is. I'm really not. But I do know that each of us as citizens has a responsibility to do our own research. So what I'm encouraging my listeners to do is rather than just listen blindly to our state and local officials or our president or our representatives, if, if you're not a fan of the president, and I'm not necessarily a fan of the president myself, although I am a conservative, but if you're not a fan of the president, you've still got political leaders in your own party that you might be listening to. Instead of just listening to them, 
We as individuals, as citizens, should be reading as much as we can from a variety of sources. We should not rely on CNN or Fox News or MSNBC as the sole source of our information. And whether you lean conservative or liberal, you should gather your data from a variety of sources and then sift through the information and make an informed decision about what you believe. I encourage everyone to challenge your assumptions and open your mind to the idea that you might not be 100% correct in your beliefs. And remember that the truth about the global pandemic doesn't skew Republican or Democrat, left or right, liberal or conservative. It's most likely somewhere in the middle. As I bring this episode to a close, I want to leave you with the words of Mark Twain, who once said, Whenever you find yourself on the side of the majority, it's time to pause and reflect. Thanks for tuning in to The John Becker Show. Whether you agree with me on my thoughts or not, I hope you have enjoyed listening, and I welcome your feedback whether you do agree with me or not. The only thing I ask is that you keep it civil. And if you're enjoying the show, head on over to iTunes and give us a like and a subscribe. That's going to increase our visibility so that others can find the show and benefit from it as well. This episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Crown Media Group. Is your brand marketing stale? Does your website need a makeover? Then head over to my friends at crownmediagroup.com. They do spectacular work at affordable prices, and they have the best customer service in the industry. Check them out today. That's all the time we have for this episode of The John Becker Show. Thanks for listening, and until next time, my friends, have a great week.